Tom Macero, Great American Mining. Thank you for joining the program here today where we're going to talk a little bit about Bitcoin and energy, more specifically oil and gas. Uh, First of all, before we get into this, just an unbelievable trend happening in the world of, I don't even know, let's call it economics and Bitcoin, where there is a transition happening much faster than I think the average person is, is aware to this digital currency. And Bitcoin is one of those ways that is becoming, I don't even know how to describe it. Is it a commodity? Is it becoming its, is its own currency? I'm still confused on that. So, Thomas, Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jason. Thanks for having me on again. So I, I don't really need that answered quite yet if Bitcoin's a currency or a commodity. I think it's like almost like a hybrid. But um, talk to me right. a little bit about what's going on in the world of digital currency as we see this trend happening where this new story I sent you where the wealthy are hoarding Bitcoin in bunkers. I mean, I saw that and I'm going, this is crazy. And by the way, folks, we're going to get an update on uh, Tom's flaring Bitcoin project, uh, emission management, in just a moment or two. But I, I needed to get right to the meat of the, the topic, which is the wealthy are hoarding Bitcoin. So that tells me that uh, the shift is about to happen, sir. Yeah, absolutely. There's a company called Zappo um, who have been around in the Bitcoin, whatever you want to call it, custody space for the past couple of years. Um, and what they did was they targeted a very niche audience, which you obviously speak to a lot of, uh, about in your, a lot of your episodes. But this particular rich audience is extremely large uh, funds or um, uh, either privately owned assets in Bitcoin that do not want to hold their, when we call them keys, but it's essentially their passwords to access their Bitcoin. Because in Bitcoin, uh, it's just a wallet address. And if you have the correct combination of keys to get in, you can control that wallet. And so what these people will do is they'll use a third-party service uh, like Zappo who have gone in and they've gone into like old World War II bunkers and re- essentially retrofitted them to become glorified um, uh, safe deposit boxes for the extremely wealthy. And they're hid inside you know, the French and Swiss Alps um, and they help them uh, with their custody. Uh, that's a little extreme. I mean, we, Bitcoin is made specifically so you and I can essentially have a Swiss bank in our vault. They're doing that more for, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Uh, uh, you know, not, not to bring too much attention to themselves so that you know, no one would come after them if they knew uh, that they had their own Bitcoin keys. But for you and I, if you bought Bitcoin and you put it on your own wallet, once you memorize the, the, the essentially the, the key – which is, you know, multiple numbers and letters or names, uh, you have that password in your head. You can write it down. You can hide it wherever you want. You don't need a service like this, but the ultra wealthy do uh, partake in this service. So that is why they're doing what they're doing. And there was, I think, in that article, 10, 10 as of May 2018, um, had roughly $10 billion of Bitcoin, $10 billion of Bitcoin. And I actually think it's probably in order orders of magnitude larger than that at this point. Is there a benefit of the bunker? Is there, I mean, is it, is it cooler to keep the servers cooler? Is it more secure for some reason? I guess 
The security part, I guess I don't really understand as much just for the simple fact of, I mean, this is a digital world, so the hackers are going to be from all over the world. It's, it's, uh, I, do you know what I mean by that? To where it, just, yeah. it would seem that, like, I, I don't know if this is the same story, but I was reading to where even they have security measures on either this bunker or a different type of safe deposit where there needs to be a pulse on the actual biometric thing so you can't like sever somebody's hand and get in there with fingerprints there actually needs to be a pulse behind it right well that's what's one of that's what's interesting about this particular setup because the bitcoin keys or wallet information is not kept online there's it's not connected anywhere there aren't any servers it could be on a piece of paper inside a, a locked box but once you have that piece of paper and you have access to that number or you know whatever you want to call it, that key, then you can go and access that Bitcoin digitally from anywhere in the world. So it's more along the lines of like they're burying their treasure, if you want to think about it from a uh, uh, kind of an illustrative standpoint. Well, that's what I was going to ask. The first thing that went into my head is like, OK, so they just took that money out of the Bitcoin circulation, but not really. They just basically put it into a safe deposit box, if you will. So right. it's technically still in circulation, but it's not. Correct. Yep, that's a great way to look at it. So, OK, but. Let's let's take that. Now let's take the opposite end. You know, us us plebeians and serfs and us people, you know, that still go to Dunkin' Donuts because Starbucks was busy, you know, that type of thing. So yes. let's let's talk about that for a second to where I'm seeing where they're starting to buy back change and there's this movement to for banks to get change now because the shortage of change and all this change, change, change. But the bigger picture is that there it seems like a way to get us off of the the paper money, the actual physical money. And when I look at, you know, from the top to the bottom, it just seems like it's really starting to pyramid towards digital currency much faster than I think people understand. Yeah, there's there's two parallel tracks uh, that are happening right now. It's definitely definitely trending towards a digital currency. Uh, and I, I'm not actually a, an advocate for that. I'm not, I don't think that that's necessarily a good thing um, for, like like you said, us serfs. Um, however, there is a distinction between the type of digital currency that Bitcoin is and then the type of digital currency that most legacy financial uh, banks and institutions run, run on. And the difference is, is that there's always a point of um, centralized authority within like the bank banking, like ACH system or transfer SWIFT system, um, where someone has the magical ability to go inside your bank, even though you own the money in your bank account and pull it out without you having anything to do about it. In Bitcoin, there is no authority in that scenario. When you send me money or I send you money, once that um, transaction is complete, there's nothing anybody can do that can take that away unless you give someone permission with you know your set of keys to allow someone to take some of that away. Um, and so that's where I think from a self-sovereignty perspective, Bitcoin will become an extremely valuable um, tool even in the digital world because it still allows control over your own property rights, which I feel like will become a bigger and bigger point uh, moving forward in this culture. What's going on out in the Bakken with you guys? I was um, hearing that um, you're possibly getting some new activity out there, huh? 
Yeah, the last couple months has been uh, quite a challenge. Uh, we were really, you know, when Armageddon hit middle of March, when the oil market dropped, you know, the bottom dropped out. Right prior to that, we were ready for, you know, rocket ship growth, had multiple contracts ready to go with, um, you know, the ability to consume lots of gas with a lot of new wells that were being um, deployed. Obviously, you've um, kind of documented that's not happening anymore. That's not the new reality. Um, so we had to shift our business model as well as our approach and really just tried to listen to all of the folks on the ground, either in the Bakken or down in the Permian Basin. And really where we're seeing an opportunity right now is to target gas from uh, folks up in the Bakken where we actually purchase the gas uh, directly on the well site. Um, it is at a discounted rate, but because of the way the economics work right now with the very low price of generators and generation equipment, we're actually able to make this work pretty effectively. So um, if there are well pads where operators aren't connected to um, a pipeline, we can come in and consume, you know, anywhere from 300 MCFD all the way up to 1,000 MCFD um, daily uh, of gas for them and, and provide a new revenue stream for them. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's it, we didn't think that this would be an option, um, but that's how it is with new businesses. You have to be nimble to what the market is doing. And that's kind of the direction that we're going in right now. I was just telling somebody, in fact, a group of people in Greeley last week that uh, for our business, we're working twice as hard, twice as long for half the pay. And that's the way it is right now. And I think a lot of people are experiencing that same boat. And um, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a tough, it's a tough market out there. I think what, you know, there's definitely going to be, um, well, there already has been kind of constriction already taking place. Uh, I think right now it's more along the lines of, um, you know, survival of the fittest. Uh, we believe that there's, you know, a viable future market in what we're doing. So, you know, of course we just want to survive, um, till we get a little bit more, whatever you want to call it, headway and, um, you know, kind of where things are going as a country with the election coming up and kind of the future of, of oil and gas. I think, you know, once that narrative shifts a little bit, I think it, things will be a little bit more bullish. And we believe that, you know, a lot of the problems that kind of plague the oil and gas industry from like a narrative perspective, i.e., you know, the, the methane flaring and people looking at that waste as being a you know, kind of a, a black mark on the industry, we believe that we're best suited to actually handle that. Um, not from a regulatory perspective, um, but from a strictly ruthless capitalistic um, angle where we can come in and consume that gas. We can be the energy buyer of last resort in that scenario. Final question or just kind of wrapping up question here. Um, Great American Mining, Tom Macero is our guest. They capture emissions, flaring, if you will, and turn it into Bitcoin. I, great, crazy capitalists out there at your well site grabbing that gas and turn it into Bitcoin. I mean, to me, I use this as an example all the time as really what's going on out in the oil field, that we've got a lot of clever, crazy capitalists out there. A lot of guys are sleeping out there trying to check methane levels and turn it into liquid and all kinds of different things. But are you guys finding any success anywhere else? Because shale play to shale play, it's a wet gas, a dry gas. There's different chemistries, you know, and um, I, I know you guys are, are finding your, your niche in the Bakken. 
Are you looking into other shale plays at all? Oh, absolutely. We're very active in the Permian right now. There's a lot of uh, interest specifically because there's a, I would say, a, uh, um, a narrative shift when it comes to Texas being more proactive with their flaring problems. Um, they've got a pretty hotly contested uh, Texas Railroad Commission election coming up, and this has been one of the hot-button issues. So you can tell that the uh, operators down there are trying to get a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, and figuring out how they're going to tackle uh, this problem. So, yeah, we're doing stuff there, and we're also uh, working with some folks in the Marcellus. A um, little bit more on the midstream side where they've got some, you know, kind of uh, residue gas supply glut that we can potentially come in and, and uh, consume that gas and, you know, pump it into a generator and make some Bitcoin. How can people get in touch with you or find out more about what you're up to and have an offer? Sure. Thanks, Jason. Uh, you can reach us at www.gam.ai, Great American Mining.